This film was approved under the Motion Picture Code of Self-Regulation. And now... We're thinking in terms of a film. The question is... What are we trying to do with this movie? By George. That is a good question. Is everybody happy? Let's go. Hey, good evening and welcome to Film Frown. Hi, my name is Chris. I have a script that I can read to tell me that. Um, and on this show, we typically watch movies that may have been banished to the Phantom Zone. Uh, <laughs> by we, I mean my friend, the Superman to my Mr. Mixelplix. How are the tights <laughs> feeling today, Paul? They're just starting to chafe. It's been a long day. <laughs> uh Paul and I don't do this alone. We have super friends to join us. Uh, first up is the man behind ArcOS, the fortress of solitude for your data. It is Jacob Cook. Hello. Hello. Just just for tonight, you can refer to me as Superboy. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> just for tonight. Yeah. You never want to be called that ever again. No other day. Yeah, that would just be weird. <laughs> yeah. Without the context, you know. Also, I'm happy to introduce uh, one of uh, the very few guests we've had who have touched things that are in space. Uh, oh. <laughs> she now builds tools and scripts for the illustrators and animators on the show Archer. It's Jen Montez. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well because I think I pronounced your name correctly. Yes. Amy. <laughs> that was beautiful. Uh, tonight's movie is uh, Supergirl, but... I just before we get into the uh, boring stats, like Jen, when I emailed you, I got a very excited response. This movie <laughs> was your jam as a wee babe. Is that correct? Yes. Um, between the the years of I want to say three and five, I watched this movie religiously, um, and then promptly forgot about it. So uh, this week was the the most recent that I had seen it, like the, um, uh, since then. <laughs> nice. So you went on a long hiatus from being five. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, the experience is completely different. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm looking interested to, uh, your responses just because I have, more than once scheduled some nostalgia for this show and then listened to Paul and guest tear it apart while I was silently crushed. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the story goes like this. Uh, the Superman pictures were not big studio-backed productions in the 70s and 80s. They were distributed by, like, Warner Brothers, but they were produced by <laughs> a father-son team, the Salkinds. I, I, I totally messed up that pronunciation, but um, they were something else, watching some documentary footage and stuff <laughs> before this uh these guys are right up there with the Canon movie group, I tell you. Um, they were coming off the big hit of Four Musketeers. I think that's the one that stars Raquel Welch. But uh, naturally, they wanted another well-known property because as directors, your job is to direct, actors act. But the producer's job is to get a return on the investment that they made for the film. So 
you know, Superman, everyone knows who that is. Let's get that contract and make the film. <laughs> uh, and I could go on and on because, like I said, those guys are fascinating. It's a fascinating history behind the Superman films. But anyway, despite having Richard Pryor and Robert Vaughn in Superman 3, that film really got panned. And the <laughs> Salkines decided, let's switch gears and make Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> right. it was also panned. Yeah. Um, supposedly, the budget was like $35 million and it made about 14 Aww. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it actually lost more money than it made. Yeah. Technically. <laughs> Probably still had a better return than most startups these days. That, uh, that's true. Good point. I think, I think you're right there. Always look on the bright side. <laughs> now I now I want to go around to as many startups as I can find and just give them Supergirl 1984 posters. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> Which, if you're listening, hi, Mom. Uh, you should totally go to the Wikipedia page for the Supergirl film because it does have the poster on there, and it is a glaring, glaring, glaring problem. Um. <laughs> The Supergirl is flying in front of the Statue of Liberty, which is reversed. Her the torch <laughs> is in the wrong hand. <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> it's all about symmetry and design, and damn it, I want that to look the other way. So, <laughs> uh, also, there's no real elements at all of this film that occur in New York City, but you know. Right. We'll just ignore that part, too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, all the Superman movies, including this one. Actually, I don't know about the last one because no one ever wants to count Superman 4. But all of the movies were filmed in the in uh, the UK. So <laughs> so that poster is probably like a desperate like, yeah, this is American. <laughs> <laughs> what do uh, Americans like? Yeah. They like Superman, Supergirl and the Statue of Liberty. Done. <laughs> and then of course not to get too far ahead of ourselves then we start with the dodgy professor british professor guy and then yeah that's what americans like <laughs> right. yeah and popeye's chicken british mm-hmm. people named peter playing uh <laughs> playing various roles <laughs> where they're where they're either wizened old men or villains that's right we have peter o'toole we have Peter Cook. We have the wonderful Faye Dunaway, Mia Farrow, and uh, this other woman who you would totally recognize because she's been in a ton of TV, but I couldn't find one that was like really like, oh, yeah, her. But her name is uh, Brenda Vaccaro, who's like the sidekick for Faye Dunaway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bianca. <laughs> yes. Um, you have all these great stars. Uh, Peter O'Toole, Faye Dunaway, both nominated for Razzies for this film. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bother to see who won, who beat them, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, typically how we do the show is I continue to serenade your ears with my monotone synopsis of the plot until any of our guests interrupt with likes and dislikes and rewrites, TM. Um, <laughs> I can do that. There's plenty to talk about in this film, so I'm tempted to have a free-for-all, but I guess to get us going, I will just jump in unless anyone has some comments. Once again, you invited me to a movie where the best part is the opening credits. 
And that's all, that's all I will say at this point. <laughs> you know, they really were great. And I was thinking later that they, they were probably practical effects. Like they probably took actual chrome letters. Oh, and yeah. put them yeah. through some fog um, to make them look all shiny. Right on. Yeah. It was like I, I was like, man, this credit sequence has really got me going and we're not even in the film. This is awesome. <laughs> and then – I did. I don't know if it was uh, Wikipedia or somewhere, but um, somewhere in my research, which I didn't obviously footnote, uh, it said that the opening credit sequence alone cost a million dollars to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, see, I, I misestimated it. I thought it cost $21 million. Nice. Uh, and I figured if they had just done something simpler, they would have actually made money on the film. <laughs> 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 but on the other hand, it would not have been as glamorous as uh, Supergirl deserves, clearly. So, right. Yeah, it's it's funny because in a lot of the documentary stuff I watched about all the Superman films, uh, Richard Donner, who directed most of it, he was he was like when he came on and these two, the father son team were like, yeah, we're doing Superman. We want you to check it out. And. They're like, we've been working on a lot of different ideas and footage. Like me, a lot, a lot of the movie, like the sets and stuff are done. So you really don't have a lot to do. And he's like, I'm not going to do this movie unless we can get the flying right. So what are you doing for flying? And they're like, oh, yeah, check out our test shoots. <laughs> and so he's like, <laughs> it was just like every other TV show before that. Like, mm-hmm. we'll just show him fly jump out a window and then never show him flying or he's like laying on a board and there's like something playing in the background (laughs) and he's like we're totally not doing that (laughs) so then they just spent tons of money trying to figure out how to fly which they do a pretty good job at least in superman and supergirl's not too bad maybe (laughs) yeah i mean I don't I don't want to jump too far ahead but I I my uh this isn't even my critique of the flying it's Tina's critique because she was watching it with me this is one of the areas where uh you know Paul or Chris subjects their significant other to the movie that they have to watch <laughs> this week and uh she's just like okay I have had enough of watching her fly to you know a uh, uh, bombastic music like <laughs> could we could she just get there wherever it is she's going <laughs> Yeah, that was my comment when I was like live tweeting because I was being annoying on Twitter and I was like, (laughs) wow, look at her fly through all that stock footage. That's awesome. (laughs) As she was flying, she would put her hands in this weird position as if she was like frolicking. I don't know, like on on either side of her body but kind of waving her hands slightly from side to side you know just like she's in a field of flowers yeah yeah Yeah, it was a bit like one of those you know those places that you have the mall in like the 90s that let you walk in and like do a music video in front of a green screen and then they (laughs) give you the vhs tape of your little routine it was a little bit like she was just doing those yeah I have two of those VHS tapes at home. Oh, right. <laughs> Are they labeled Supergirl by any chance? Neither of them is labeled Supergirl, okay. no. Oof. All right. <laughs> One is Jeez. Back in Black by ACDC, and my mom okay. thought that I had gone to some kind of satanic uh, cult ritual thing. <laughs> so no more shall be said about that. Um <laughs> 
I know what I'm doing when I come back to Michigan. <laughs> Hunting down your mom. <laughs> I need to see these VHS tapes. Uh <clears throat> We have a new Patreon video for our other podcast. <laughs> Paul sings back to back in black. Yes. Ah. Uh, yeah. So, jazz hands when we're flying. Sure. Um, so yes, the uh, after the amazing credits, we are brought to Fiberglass City. Uh, <laughs> this is where Kara Zor L lives in Argo City. Apparently, it's in a pocket universe somewhere. Peter O'Toole calls it the inner space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's rather than outer space, it's inner space. Yeah. Yeah, which is like totally confusing. I was like, what are they doing inside of Dennis Quaid's body? <laughs> um, it was confusing for a schlub like me because I'm awful at six dimensional geometry. Uh, Obviously. Yeah. Should have paid more attention to that. <laughs> in the in the opening scene, uh, I think I also should be offended for modern dancers because as Helen Slater takes us through the city, uh, she walks through a group of people who are obviously dancers because they do these moves. And then I, I was like, uh, okay, cool 80s. And then I was like, oh, actually, if I was a modern dancer, I'd be offended because obviously the director thinks we're alien. <laughs> I figured the inside of the city is what used to be in Zardoz's head, the big floating <laughs> head at the beginning of Zardoz, uh, uh, before you know, be- before the you know all the nuclear winter and all the grain growing and all that stuff. Right, that's <laughs> mighty. Um, so she introduces us to Peter O'Toole, who's like the mayor of Fiberglass Town. <laughs> He's the founder. He invented. The, I guess, the method of getting to inner space and creating the city or whatever, which I assume he did because Krypton was going to explode and this was how he saved all of these uh, Kryptonians. Yes, this was supposedly like an earlier draft of the script because Christopher Reeve was like totally going to go for it and be in this film. And so they were going to do like the concurrent origin stories like bye bye baby Christopher Reeve and then oh hey you should get your family out of here too mm, um, yeah so but yeah anyway so Peter O'Toole is like sculpting with the, a wand I think Jacob has another name for it um, <clears throat> I do <laughs> and that part will become clear afterwards <laughs> <laughs> but it really okay it does look like a space vibrator I can't you cannot not have that image when you're watching this scene. It's so true. It's just absurd. Hey, yeah, well, it's, it's ridged for his pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah, when he's making the, the the tree tree in quotation marks, he does look like he's having a lot of fun with it. So. Well, <laughs> this part this part is so awkward because uh, we see uh, we see Kara run into like the room with all of these little kids and she's obviously not their age anymore, but she's like running in as if she's going to attend this school. And then she goes off to meet uh, Peter O'Toole and he gives her the space vibrator. And right. there's some there's some scene where she's like sitting down and she's like etching out this uh, dragonfly or whatever she's doing. But just like. 
the camera angle they use yes. is so awkward. Like she's got her legs spread way wide apart and <laughs> this robe is almost entirely see-through. It's very, very creepily shot, I think. I cannot imagine that they did not do that on purpose. <laughs> it's like, okay, yes, the father figure takes the remedial girl and, you know, it's just very, very strange, though, the way the whole thing was It's together. very strange, yeah. No, I I was reading the New York Times review that came out for this movie at the time. Um, and they're, you know, they were like, well, this is dumb. But, you know, she, <laughs> she, she's very nice to look at. So you'll enjoy that. Um, huh. So that was kind of the content of the review. <laughs> so I felt kind of dirty. The movie's after. a bit rubbish. Supergirl's kind of cute, but. <laughs> right. It seems right. pretty 80s. Yeah. <laughs> I was just waiting for her to cut her hair, and then I realized I was watching the wrong movie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, before like she gets the magic wand and all that, uh, we kind of learn Peter O'Toole's bored. He's thinking of traveling to Earth or Saturn in his round 70s bed that he points to. Um, <laughs> uh, and... She's like, how are you making this tree thing, like Jacob was saying? Um, and he's like, well, trees are in are from Earth. And she's like, oh, that's where my cousin is. So presumably at some point Superman dropped by to tell everyone hi. Um, and <laughs> his alter so. ego and a bunch of other information. Right. That she's and and we've been told that nobody can leave inner space, yet somehow this border is quite fluid. Somehow several people do. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Nobody has ever tried. Right. Um, so, so yeah, she's like, how are you making the tree? And so the first thing he does is whip out of his pants the city's power core, which I, like, I actually had to rewind that. I was like, wait, did he just, like, pull that out of his pants? Let's watch that in slow motion. <laughs> I just, well, it was, like, so suggestive. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Just the angle and everything. It wasn't like him reaching in his pocket. Like they really just shot like his abdomen and it wasn't like he was pulling it like he was pulling it out of his underwear or something. It was really strange. I'm afraid the entire city you've come to know and love runs by the power of my third testicle. <laughs> uh, we hid the city's power core as an artificial testicle. <laughs> It was kind of nebulous when he was first explaining it. It's like, okay, well, why do you have this? Oh, uh, I I borrowed it. Did you steal it? No, I just felt like borrowing it. Okay. So you have both this strange magical wand thing and you have the weird glowing ball that makes the entire city run and is super important to the plot of the film. But you just, you know, are hanging out with both of these items at once. And it seems like he only had that, the glowing ball to make the tree vibrate? That's when he turned it into a gay tree, when it changed color. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So yeah. that was like, he, he wanted to ch- make the tree gay. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I don't think he had any other plan. I do not understand why he put it at her feet. That was a little strange. It seemed like he was just asking for it. I Whoa. think this entire thing was a setup. She was drawing a very intricate dragonfly. And... <laughs> Which uh, seems strange to me since she didn't know what a tree was. <laughs> and so I suppose 
that in his mind, he's like, that's a cool dragonfly. It would be great if it were flying around. Right. Mm. And okay. so that's what that was for. Maybe. I don't know. I'm reaching, maybe. I don't know. It makes just about as much sense as anything else. <laughs> I guess we should point out, like, for the dragonfly drawing and things like that, um, just to show the power of the omegahedron is what the little ball is called. He taps her wrist with the wand, and now she has, like, a magical jelly wristband that says WWSD, what would Superman do? Um <laughs> <laughs> or not, but she has a new wrist bracelet thing. Um, <clears throat> I like to think of it as just a very annoying Apple Watch. You know, it, it tells you to stand up. It tells you when the ball is near. It reminded me a lot of that. It also had a similar ringtone to the default ringtone when someone's doing a FaceTime audio call to you. So nice. Fun fact. Uh, so yeah. So while she's drawing the dragonfly. Um, her mom comes to talk to Peter O'Toole and uh, blab on about something or other. And uh, that's when she gets the wand and the Omega Hedron and draws the dragonfly, turns it into a real thing, and it flies out the window into inner space, which acts a lot like outer space. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. You really have to be careful of the vacuum of inner space. Yes. So Dennis Quaid started sucking things from the city through the window. <laughs> uh, and so sure enough, it sucks out the Omegahedron and then starts to suck Kara's melon through the hole. Uh, but they pull her out and then Peter, Pete's, he uh, seals it with the wand. And uh, well, now Sonic the screwdriver. Yes. <laughs> Now the city's in real trouble because that was one of its power sources. And uh, Pete's is like, yo, dogs, uh, I'm going to go get my ship and find the Omegahedron. And they were like, hey, why did you have it in the first place? And he's like, uh. And meanwhile, Kara hops on the space <laughs> bed. <laughs> I, I don't get why he's not why he's not just like, uh, I founded the city using the Omegahedron, okay? <laughs> I'll use the Omegahedron for what I feel like. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> they probably have space recall elections for positions of power like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, he's I do like a lot of his lines. Like they're like, Wait, you had the Mega Hedron? He's like, Well, no, not anymore. Um, <laughs> he just he cleverly delivers like so many of these crazy lines. They're fun. Um Yeah. I enjoy I enjoy his character. He's probably yeah. one of the be- one of the better. Actually, to be honest, I enjoy all the characters in this movie. I just don't like any other part of how the movie's put together. <laughs> but beyond that, I-, I love the characters. The actors are great. There's some not perfect lines, but they do what they can with them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so she jumped on the space bed. The little pod seals up, and she goes flying off to save the city. Which no one has ever left before. You know, lock it with a key or need an ignition or (laughs) something. Voice activation. Yeah. Yeah, sure. A thumbprint. (laughs) She just hopped in and it was like, yep, we're going. Well, let's do this thing. (laughs) It's it's the the 70s space bed. It's like, ooh, a lady. (laughs) (laughs) Time to launch. Uh, is Pete around? Oh, well, <laughs> we're going to do this thing. I'm programmed for 872 ways of pleasure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. 
so married. I say ways of pleasure. Uh, <laughs> ways of ways of. Ple- I have forgotten how to ter- talk with the not clean way. <laughs> Listen to me romanticize you. <laughs> so, so yeah. Well, I think. I mean, it's just like the crazy omegahedron that's like just like hanging out in his pants. Uh, you know, the space bed has no fail safes. It's just like city has no air traffic control that can control these things. Really. It's surprising that this entire sequence of events hasn't happened long ago. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, do you mind if I take a nap in your place? Pete's thanks. Wait, no, Uh, wait, no. Oh, now he's going to wake up in that lake on Earth, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> After traversing the interstellar interior of a Keurig machine, which is space. <laughs> right. right. Thank you. Yes. I For me, it was like she was flying through this Easter egg coloring kit, I remember, as a child. It was like lots of swirling colors, and it made like the eggs totally psychedelic. Yeah, um, yeah. I think this is yet another yet another montage that's more or less inspired by like uh, two thousand and one uh, the voyage of the the Star Child at the end, and yet it's like, well, you kind of had a lot more movie to build up to the Star Child, and also there was more LSD. Yeah. So, and they were like, we're gonna do these effects with lights, and um, and Supergirl, they were like, how about colored water? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Just point the camera at a lava lamp. It'll be fine. (laughs) And there's a reason that Peter O'Toole is like the mayor of Fiberglass Town because he has the credibility to be. So he's just like every like her parents are like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen to her? She's going to like go to some crazy place. And what's going to happen to our daughter? And he's like, I'm to blame. I should be sent to the Phantom Zone for my crime where I will suffer for eternity. But, you know, when the city runs out of power, at least you guys only have a few days to live. See you later. <laughs> yeah, that, yep. this that this stri- strikes me as very, very strange. Like, mm. he's the guy that built the city. He knows how all this crap works. Uh, and he's just going to be like, well, no, actually, I deserve to be punished, even though, really, I'm probably the only hope that the city has for, you know, maintaining any kind of balance that it that it could have for as long as possible. I'm just going to go, you know, hit the Phantom Zone, never to return. Nobody tries to stop him, either. He's like, I'm going to go to the Phantom Zone, and they're like, bye, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm really going to do it now. The one, like, okay, that's fine. The one guy's like, mad no, at you. you deserve it. You're a jerk. See, this is my new CW pitch for them to make a new show where they don't have to use any DC characters or any buy any rights is they could do a show about an activist on Krypton or Argon City who's like, maybe we should reform prisoners instead of sending them to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> you can introduce all the kind of crazy characters as criminals as you want and it can be like a legal procedural. Uh, space justice <laughs> law and order krypton gung gung <laughs> so you stole my child's lunch i think you should go to the phantom zone wait what <laughs> 
It was only one ding dong. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, meanwhile, the Omega Hedron lands on Earth, right in Faye Dunaway's picnic on a tiger skin rug, as you do. Um. <laughs> right. And, and that seems really strange because later they're like, they make it very clear that she's completely broke and she needs all this money. <laughs> and right. yet she's having a very lavish picnic on this tiger. And they're talking about ruling the world, and the whole conversation just makes it seem like he's kind of her boy toy trainer sort of guy, and she, like, is, the way she's dressed and all the stuff that they have, it's like, she must be this lavish, like, you know, person of wealth and and opulence and when she says she's going to rule the world she really just means she's going to buy it um mm-hmm. and then yeah to your point later on no she's she's actually just living in like an abandoned fairground mm-hmm. and they can't pay the any of the bills they're going to cut off their phone <laughs> yeah. it's all very tragic <laughs> Yes, she is wearing the uh, Sybil Shepherd collection from Moonlighting. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, Nigel is her boy toy. He, they both seem to be into black magic. He seems to know a lot more, um, supposedly. Uh, and she immediately senses the power of the orb that has landed in her hummus or whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> So she ditches poor Nigel, who's played by Peter Cook, uh, right then and there. And she goes home to this, like, abandoned amusement park, whatever, like you said. Um, Well, but before she goes, like, we see a demonstration of the Omega Hedron's power because she is able to start the car without a key. But then Mm -hmm. as a little bit of exposition over the radio, they say that Superman is went to a galaxy millions of miles away and who knows when he'll be back <laughs> right <laughs> i like i like that too i was like oh okay well now we have a plausible explanation for why superman cannot possibly save the day <laughs> in whatever troubling situation is going to occur down the road i love that because they said he was on a mission of peace and i was like so Okay, in this particular DC universe, we know that there are aliens, and now we're forging peace with them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Rock and roll. (laughs) Please do not attack us Klingons. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, We skipped all the movies that could be interesting where the, you know, (laughs) aliens attack Earth. We've just decided to go straight to the one where, uh, you know, inner space comes back and to bite you in the ass. Yes. All hail Dennis Quaid. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Faye Dunaway. Like I, I mean, I love like I love her. She does a decent job, but for me in this movie, she doesn't fit. Like like Luthor in the eighties Superman movies, he like his character really wanted to be like a Bond villain. Like that was his goal, but he was never that sophisticated. And I feel like they sort of took a shortcut and did the same thing with Selena, Faye Dunaway's character here. Mm-hmm. But Dunaway just, she's got too much like serious chops to be this character with these cute little one-liners that she says out of the side of her mouth. It's like, it's like casting like Pierce Bronson in Randy Quaid's role in Independence Day. It just wouldn't work. 
but that's just my take. I don't know. Would you guys enjoyed her character? I was always waiting for the no wire hangers moment, and there really wasn't one in this <laughs> film. And yeah, I I felt that you know she was kind of a square peg in a round hole for the most part. Yeah, and I yeah, and it felt like she was trying to convince you so hard that she was bad. Look at how bad I am. <laughs> exactly. I, I I felt like uh I felt like a lot of that is in the writing. Like her motivations seemed unclear to me from one scene to the next. Yeah. Um sometimes she has like really grandiose uh desires uh and then other times she um it's just like really simplistic stuff um and i feel like a lot of the actors in this movie realize that this movie is its best shot is to be campy um and so in some scenes, it feels like they really kind of played on that camp and it works well. There's a lot of parts of this movie where I'm laughing and, and Faye Dunaway is is contributing to that because she's, you know, she is delivering these little one liners and and silly stuff. But as a it just isn't cohesive. It doesn't decide to really be campy. It goes back to trying to be serious or it goes mm-hmm. back to trying to like, oh, no, we're really going to try to craft a love interest kind of story going on here and. A lot of that stuff just it just doesn't need it. It needs to be not so serious. Yeah, and actually, let's talk about how long this movie was for a second. <laughs> oh gosh, I was. It was tough. You know, it was a tough slog <laughs> towards the end. I'm like, yeah. I I mean there there's a scene coming up. Um, well, <laughs> we've got a ways to go to get to it. Actually, uh, unfortunately, uh, but <laughs> there's. There's a there's a there's a scene later on uh where it's kind of the an initial battle royale at the um uh at the abandoned fairground and uh and I'm thinking okay we're starting to kind of get to some climax of the movie and I and I paused it to see where I was and there was still an hour left. Right. <laughs> yes. It's kind of absurd. Yeah, I didn't do my uh I should have looked. I was trying to figure out after I read like the Wikipedia page, um, there's a bunch of different versions of this film, like the TV cut and the American cut and the UK cut. And then they found the director's cut and released that out on DVD, which has like a bunch of extra scenes, which I think, unfortunately, we might have Scott had <laughs> yeah, to watch. Yeah, I think that's the one that we uh, watched. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, that's the director's cut. It's the way that he wanted it to be seen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the director, whoever he is. Yes. <laughs> the French. I'm just saying, Jacob. Anyway. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that the part, you know, kind of getting back to the direction that we're going, the part where they're at the lake and, she, you know, they're talking, she's talking with the less charismatic Alan Rickman, whatever his name is, and she he's <laughs> just like starts mansplaining about being magic and she's looking at him like, are you serious right now? I'm pretty sure that would be in the director's cut. At yeah. least I was the director. <laughs> he was he was kind of a poor man's Alan Rickman, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, he yes. could do definitely an Alan Rickman impression. I would think. Yeah, very similar speech. There are patterns a lot of in some cases. points of this movie that were taken from Harry Potter. I feel like Harry Potter was probably inspired a lot by this film. <laughs> sure, you know the Magic whole wands and all. 
magic wands, discovering your powers. Yeah. yeah, grumpy math teacher. <laughs> oh, see, I like that discovering your powers because our next scene after she takes off to go back to her house is Kara leaping out of the space bed into darkness, and suddenly she's flying out of a lake where Dunaway was recently picnicking. I think mm-hmm. um, one of her superpowers is clearly to remain completely dry. Yes. <laughs> it's easy when you're a wooden cutout of yourself uh, <laughs> being launched out of the lake. Uh, she she immediately gets used to her superpowers. Like she picks up a rock and she's like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen a rock before. And she crushes it in her hand and goes, oops, you know, I have powers. That's cool. Heat vision to Daisy to open it up and uh, leaps around. Like, I guess this is one of the part of the director's cut. That's why I think that's what we watched is this sort of flying ballet scene where she's kind of like learning mm-hmm. that she can fly and yeah, these little, yeah. I can't imagine that they took this out. Cause it's already like she gets into the pod in the city, just wearing like her see-through robes. And then well, like she flies. I, re- I out specifically of the remember this scene from the, the old VHS that I had when I was a kid. So <laughs> this, this was definitely in the, in the one that was released to the United States. So it's like, I'm just like, she, you know, I mean, it's part of me is like, okay, cause we already know like the Superman mythos. So we know what he can do. So we don't really need her to mm-hmm. go through this journey to learn her stuff. Cause we already got it. But she herself, does she have it? Like, I'm so confused. Like one minute she's in the pod, the next minute she's in the Supergirl outfit and going, Hmm. <laughs> I feel like this scene, like when she comes out of the pod and later when she's like frolicking over the landscape is is not only just to show you her powers, but also that she's a girl. So it it struck me seeing it later that uh, they emphasize a lot of like ultra feminine things. So like mm-hmm. when she's when she's practicing flying, it's like a ballet and yeah yeah she like opens a daisy with her heat vision and um when she goes off through the landscape she spends some time with some galloping horses which if you know any <laughs> little girl they sure. love horses that's true mm-hmm. yeah if uh, anyone was expecting this to be like the first real feminist superhero movie they were probably disappointed <laughs> <laughs> you, you say that but i mean I have to say that maybe, well, parts of her anyway, you know, Lucy Lane is our feminist in this movie. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there you oh go. Boy. But that's later. Uh, <clears throat> we we go back to Dunaway and she puts the Omega Hedron in some sort of shadow box um, and she uses its power to cook a chicken, as you will. Um, <laughs> and we're introduced to her sidekick played uh, by Brenda Vaccaro and... Uh, then while she's using the Omega Hedron, uh, Supergirl's cool bracelet blinks uh, and then it stops. So she lands or something like that. And uh, we uh, she encounters the neighborhood rapists. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I had that, I had that written down, too. I was like, oh, great. The first two humans she meets are male rapist truckers. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's again. The movie was made in the UK, so they're like, "What's America like?" Oh yeah, rapists, <laughs> truckers. It's yeah, it's amazing. He pulls out a knife and not a gun, actually. And under that, 
<laughs> under this that was, characterization. This was the 70s, like the best movies out that probably got exported to the UK were like Smokey and the Bear and then the TV show like BJ and the Bear. So it's all about <laughs> truckers in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Truckers driving through a small town, but they're not mad at the person that just, you know, standing in the road in front of them. They just want to get out and have a chat. Right. One of them was, I was really surprised. I was like, holy crap, that's like, uh, what is his name, Matt Frewer, Frewer or something like that? He's uh, from that TV show Eureka. He's been in yep. Star Trek a billion times. And oh, he's yeah. Max Headroom. Yep. Um, that was like, that sort of hurt too. Like, <laughs> the bastion of Coca-Cola is trying to molest this woman. Um, so, <laughs> And she does kick their ass. I mean, it's good. That, that part's good. Right, yeah. but the, but then it's like another emphasis of like this is a girl, therefore her right. first enemies are rapists. Right. right. <laughs> also, you should just know that that's how women are going to be treated on the street. I mean, that's just obviously. <laughs> God, it's so mid eighty I mean, Chicago. Anything goes. <laughs> I mean, if your name is Supergirl, you should probably know which streets you should be on and which you shouldn't. I'm just saying. Maybe she was asking for it. You'd think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Wow. That those boots. <laughs> <laughs> just gave Paul a heart attack. <sighs> Man. <laughs> no. Uh, and I really, like, it was really trite dialogue as as well, like, you know, she's like, why are you doing this? And then Matt's like, it's the way we are. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, what? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> this just went from some strange street encounter to like psychologist couch stuff. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Unfortunately, exactly. it didn't continue. But Yes, the first alien encounter on Earth. And she's like, oh, well, that's how you are. I guess I'll kill you all then. These are apparently the only two bit characters in the entire movie that don't decide to hold a grudge and keep coming back over and over in other scenes. <laughs> that would have been an interesting movie. <laughs> Makes me think of like Pokemon villains. I don't know why. <laughs> um, they are chasing that little ball, the Megadron. Um, so meanwhile, then uh, we cut back to at this point, I think Dunaway is having her little party. Uh, because her sidekick wants to start a coven and charge people to join so they can pay their bills. And Nigel shows up and he wants to see this little power orb and she dismisses him. And there's this weird scene where he's like getting a cigarette and of course she lights it with her newfound powers. But then he's like, have a look at this and shows her a reflection and there's like a monster in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's really strange. Yeah, but what... what uh, I he told her that it was like her unbridled ambition or something. Is that what he said? The the yes. monster. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Hmm. Yeah. One thing I will say about those two, the two women, Faye Dunaway and the other one, is that they actually got me to sympathize with them because of this idiot constantly coming by, mm -hmm. trying to impress them or do whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. Just kick his ass already. <laughs> I'm tired of him and I don't know him. That's that's the mommy dearest part I wanted to happen uh, that mm -hmm. Jacob mentioned earlier. I wanted her reflection to be Joan Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So yeah, Nigel gets kind of angry and he's like, you need my wisdom. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, it's interesting. Her, her line, which is like terrible nowadays, uh, but uh, her line was like, I need you like an Eskimo needs a lawnmower. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that totally sure. stuck in my head. Uh, <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> and now stand um, back while I ruin this chicken with the power of darkness. <laughs> he uh, he flirts with someone else at the party and Dunaway like makes like the fruit in her drink into a scorpion and then turns her up di- upside down and swirls her around. Um, and uh, physics favored her dress staying up. Because uh, <laughs> PG, I think this movie's PG. Uh, Look, the only sexual content in this movie is suggested. It's not openly shown. It's suggested. That's right. That's right. You're lucky this is only a podcast or I'd show you my omega hedron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we cut to a little bunny rabbit foraging around uh, Snow White in the woods. I mean, Supergirl. And... Uh, She's a girl, remember? She's a girl. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was I, offensive at times. <laughs> I I do not understand how this uh change of clothes and hair thing is working. Like that's not really one of Superman's po- I mean he can change in and out of his outfit very quickly, but it's not generally suggested that he's magic in some way <laughs> right or am i totally wrong on this yeah uh i don't know but there's a lot of magic in this movie there is a lot of magic in this movie that's true maybe it's the bracelet maybe it's like the bracelet has like the power of the omegahedron or something now i'm inventing headcanon to try to justify this movie <laughs> yes that was really disturbing and like it was also a gradual change too right like from tree to tree Mm-hmm. Which was kind of interesting. She couldn't just magically change her costume. It was like, I'm going to walk to this tree and now I have a different shirt on. And now. <laughs> <laughs> right. A bit bizarre. <laughs> um, yes. Now, like, we really need, like, the, you know, once technology improves just ever so slightly more um, so that we can automate some procedures, we will take. Jacob Cook as Superboy and replace him in this entire film and then we'll just see <laughs> we'll see if like the bunny scene and you know the truck driver scene really works I, I wake up in like a pile of empty bags of chips instead of next to a rabbit <laughs> I could start with start with that exactly um so yeah, she she basically she finds a, a school for girls, and uh, she's creeping on the Earthlings behind a tree, and she sees a girl in a school uniform, and she uses these unexplained powers to change her hair color from blonde to brunette, and all of a sudden she's wearing a schoolgirl outfit. She goes to the headmaster's office, who happens to be Mister Danvers, which apparently in actual Supergirl canon is like the family that adopts her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she stumbles on to a name to use in the posters in the room because there's like a Robert E. Lee poster in there. So she's like, my name Which, is Linda Lee. Why? Why is there a Robert E. Lee poster in there? <laughs> this is Chicago. I don't understand. 
That's very sure, good. I didn't think about that. I didn't think it was strange that she was naming herself after a Confederate war hero, but <laughs> yeah. the fact he was there in the first place does well, raise some suspicion. Mr. Mr. Danvers is looking for some inspiration because he needs to stand up to the man. He's not going to let them put him down this year. Yeah. Uh, again, like all produced in the UK. So they were like, I think Americans <laughs> right. are horribly racist Confederates. Is that right? Is that, is that right? <laughs> Even though the South lost, they still like all the Southern generals, right? They still prefer them. <laughs> I mean, Sherman was just a, not a nice person, so we can't name her that. <laughs> in a lost draft of the film, there's another scene where Mr. Danvers is obviously part of a reenactment group. But unfortunately, <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, she ends up playing it like she um, or no, it's because of the, the connection with uh, Lois Lane. Um, I was I was going to say she says she's uh, the cousin of Clark Kent, so I don't understand why she can't like think to like, oh, yeah, my name is uh, Clarice Kent. Clarice right. Kent. You always need that alliteration. In <laughs> there. And these are my glasses. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean that's the problem with her, like her super magic transformation to hide her true identity. Is like everyone obviously knows who she is. The hair color doesn't work. You have to have the glasses, right? Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Um. Anyway, he's like, "Well, you need a letter of recommendation," and then he gets interrupted by Nigel, who happens to be like the math teacher there. So, um. So yeah, so she uses. Again, this was sort of offensive to me, maybe Jen as well, but or all of us, but she uses her super speed to type herself a recommendation letter. <laughs> I was like, really? We get to see you show off your powers as a typist. I hate the writer of this film. <laughs> there are scenes later where she finds, like feminine things really strange like she's trying on a bra and it's like what is this you girls are so strange like mm -hmm. obviously aliens wouldn't understand what is going on with women right <laughs> i was wondering where you're going with that. aliens aliens don't have gravity i know that's what i was thinking <laughs> aliens don't need support right um, exactly yeah, her, <laughs> as Paul said, her her new roommate happens to be Lucy Lane, the sister of Lois Lane. Um, there's, like I said, no soups in the movie. She only gets to look at a poster of him. Uh, she longingly touches his chest plate thingy. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. This is like, this is your cousin. I don't know what you're feeling. Yeah. Yes. Well, maybe they're second cousins. <laughs> yeah. Every bit of this. There's no concept of incest in inner space. Everyone knows that. <laughs> but now she's in the deep south of Chicago. There's only so many Kryptonians left. They just have to. They just have to ditch those, you know, worries about incest because yes. they 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 have to repopulate the planet that doesn't exist anymore. I guess. Mm -hmm. Wait. Exactly. Wow, this is getting creepier, and I'm, I'm not the one behind it. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what bugs me is every bit of like sort of femininity they try to put into her is like creepy. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Like like later when she's like flying Ethan to safety, like she sort of like snuggles up to him while they're flying, and I'm like, <laughs> "What did you just do? He is knocked unconscious, and you are creeping on him. That is." <laughs> wrong 
He's her little Ken doll. True. It's adorable. Uh, our, our first class is in a computer lab with the most ginormous machines ever. Um, these computers take up like nine tables. They're awesome. Um, they have a screen smaller than your iPhone screen. Um, That's true. And uh, But we, we cut away quickly because Dunaway is outside um, – in, in the car with her friend uh, who has stopped behind a bus and hasn't left even though the bus has. And she's like, what's the deal? And she's drooling over this landscaper guy. Um, and that makes the Omega Hedron throb. Ayo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Dunaway's like, ah, I have to get everyone to love me. I'm going to start with him. That's that's what I'm going to do with this power. Um, yeah, see, this is this is this is what I'm talking about. Like the inconsistency in exactly. her character is like she. So at the beginning, she's talking about ruling the world, and then like she sees a hunky gardener, and she's gonna start there. What? I, that's weird. Hey, Isn't man, that weird? No, I'm pretty sure that happens to everyone. I, I was mean, gonna say. It's basic politics. Like if you want to be elected and you're like a terribly ugly man, you have to have like a trophy wife next to you. Mm. <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, doesn't everyone just, especially when they're a teenager, grow up with dreams of ruling the world and then you say, oh, a girl or oh, a boy. And then everything just changes for you. Mm. Maybe so she's just a teenager. It's a commentary stuck on, a woman's on body. the human condition. Exactly. Sure. Sure. I see. Wow. If I wouldn't have gotten married, I could have ruled the world. <laughs> see, this was such a deep movie and we didn't even know it. Right. What if I was Mormon? Then I really hate one thing to rule the world. Is that? Okay. Um, so, so, so yeah, of course this sets off the uh, magical Supergirl bracelet. Uh, and the Apple Watch. Um, so she gets up to leave the computer lab. She's like, whoa, my Apple Watch. It's just um, a notification. <laughs> yeah. I know when that hotline bling, it can only mean one thing. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Nigel's like, hey, whoa, where do you think you're going? So he decides to make an example of her. And he's like, so, you know. Obviously, like, since you don't need to be in class, you already know the answer to this question or this problem I've laid out that we need computers to solve. And she's like, yeah, it's 5,271,009,010. <laughs> and then the bell rings and they're like, let's get out of here before he asks you about that. And, uh, of course, he stops her because his computer printout, his dot matrix thing goes nuts and he sees that she has the right answer, which he got from the computer printout. And then he says to her, like, have you been going through my papers? And I was like, <laughs> I don't think you had the answer until five seconds ago. <laughs> but anyway, so then we get introduced to the school bully, Myra, and she causes lots of troubles in the field hockey game. Which what was the point of Myra? We could yeah. have just not had Myra. Just cut Myra. We don't need her. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Myra's a completely unnecessary. A lot of the school plot I felt was that way. Like it was one, it was like two or three scenes and never made, never came back except for, you know, like one character. It was kind of strange. Yeah. Like the Superman films, uh, I haven't seen them in a while except for two, but the, 
you know, they balance like the comedy and the drama so well. I mean, even like one of them starts off with like this sort of like Buster Keaton kind of esque thing in the city, like this whole sequence. And it just seems like they were trying to like lighten the mood or whatever. And like you said, none of these scenes need to be there because they're not working. <laughs> <laughs> Once they drill it into your head after the first 15 minutes that, okay, yeah, she's trying to be a human girl. And then once you arrive at that realization, you don't ever need to think about that again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, an excuse to get girls in knee socks and then the showers, apparently. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, like uh, on the plus side, at least on Earth, she's going to a school where the other people are her age. Mm-hmm. True, true. She's that at her grade level this time. She's at her grade level. That's correct. Well, but w- when she solved that problem later, she was she was telling Lucy that it was like I I was never able to do that before. So maybe she was held back in Argo City. Oh, that could be. Maybe Maybe she was the dumb one. She's the the dumb one. Yeah. See, well, then, (laughs) well, yeah, I thought she was the dumb one there, but I thought the Earth's yellow sun, like it gives her all these powers, also makes your brain better. But why? (laughs) Why is it? I just mean, like, (laughs) so she solved that problem, right? With the six dimensional whatever, whatever that was. Uh, she never really uses her brain for anything else. <laughs> I know at the end when the floor is like shaking, I was like, you can fly. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> um, FYI. Yeah. This is the scene that uh, Jen already commented on. We go back to the dorm room and, uh, Lucy's like, hey, you got to meet my friend Jimmy Olsen because we want to tie all the movies together mm-hmm. uh, and hang out with some guys in town. It's going to be great. Meanwhile, Supergirl's like Kara's trying on a bra and stuffing it. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, <clears throat> there was like another. Yeah, she's she's like, oh, I think it was that scene. She was like, I should totally pierce your ears. And she's like, guys really dig that. And then Supergirl's like, guys like girls with holes in their ears i thought that was kind of funny as well (laughs) yeah 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 it's it's more about like showing you how strange women are like women are aliens too (laughs) (laughs) apparently to the writers of this film maybe (laughs) but but that yes oh my goodness That's right. All this comic book research. These guys are nerds who wrote this film. Um, But then later on when Ethan is like under the spell and he's like, I love you. I want to marry you. She's like, why do you want to marry me? I was like, so you don't know about pierced ears. But of course, because of the feminine agenda in this film, you certainly know what a marriage is. (laughs) Jeez. So the whole point of getting everyone out of the school for the long weekend was uh, so that Supergirl could go fly around the city looking for the Omega Hedron and uh, Dunaway makes this love potion. She's she's really confused me on how it works because it works for one day as long as a spider is in a walnut and mm-hmm. yep. if you let it out then the spell breaks. Or if the full day is over no matter if the spider's in the walnut or not, everything still goes away. Right. It's like full day or spider out of walnut, whichever comes first. Whichever comes first. It was like, it was pretty legal. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, these yeah. Are, this is binding, okay? They went through right. this with their lawyer. 
before. So I just I just didn't get like later, but anyway. So she uses the potion on the landscaper dude Ethan, who she invited over to do landscaping at her abandoned amusement park. Um, <laughs> and he passes out uh, as love potions will will do to you. Um, and uh, Nigel shows up in the most Again. awesome leather leisure suit in the world. <laughs> I mean, I'm secure enough in my own masculinity to say he is a banging in this. <laughs> it is so amusing. Or he's that- getting ready to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> or he's already bang. No. <laughs> just rubbing himself on it. It just, just makes me laugh because of his British sensibilities to think that he's pimping. Maybe it's got an omega hedron pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that's right so and even the other characters like the sidekick and Faye Dunaway are just like that outfit whoa um, <laughs> they kind of make fun of it but meanwhile while they're talking to him at the front door of their amusement park home uh, Ethan wakes up and stumbles through the haunted house that is her amusement park home um, and I just laughed because I was like hey we ran out of budget for psychedelic trip so <laughs> Haunted house it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he wanders out and he's gone when uh, Dunaway and her friend come back. Um, meanwhile, Kara has gone to town um, and changed into her Linda Lee little outfit and hairdo. And she meets Lucy and Jimmy Olsen. Um, but oops, here comes Ethan stumbling around town. He's totally out of it. Uh, he's been out of it for quite a while because I feel like it was dark before, but whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure he was even in it before the spell, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, it, his lines before the spell are like, they're trying really hard to show you this guy has basically no brains at all. Just yeah. a yeah, garden. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a piece of meat. <laughs> it's offensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if if this, you know, the superhero, the girl was any better, then I would say, okay, yeah, maybe it is a feminist superhero movie, but no. Exactly. They're they're all basically on a level playing field here. <laughs> also, can we mention something since we passed the shower scene and all of that part? I think we passed all of the A and W product placement. We not, or at least you passed several instances of A and W product placement. Yeah, that was extremely egregious. There's several. <laughs> well, actually, Jacob, we'd like to take a moment to talk about A and W as they're our first sponsor. Uh, no, that's not the case. Mm. I feel like they really attached their name to this, maybe thinking that it would be a different kind of film. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to give you some sponsorship rights for this movie. Okay, the first time that we see your brand, it's going to be on the T-shirt of a rapist. Is that what you want? (laughs) (laughs) They should have known from that point, like, okay, this is not going to get better, is it? (laughs) So the T-shirt of the rapist is going to throw somebody into an A&W vending machine and destroy it. Oh, okay. I was like trying to think of where else there was another A&W reference. There was a big party, like a fast food party at the dorms, and they were all drinking A&W root beer and eating A&W food. Wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All I noticed was the Frosted Flakes because they're great. (laughs) You know, I, I noticed those Frosted Flakes too. They really stood out. 
<laughs> yeah. Maybe because they probably haven't changed their box design since 1978. <laughs> um, Could be part of it. <laughs> yeah. Ethan, I should also say I thought it was funny and I live tweeted it when I realized it. He is the douchebag guy that works with Holly Gennaro in Die Hard, the first movie, who's like, oh, Holly and I are buddies. We'll work this out, won't we? (laughs) And Alan Rickman's like, yes, and kills him. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so... uh, I was surprised at this point in the movie how big the gardener guy's role was. Like, I thought he was going to basically be more or less a prop for one or two scenes, just as a way of getting, um, you know, Supergirl and and uh, Selena together and to fight he, over him. To fight over him, apparently, because um, that's clearly like what the in this movie the supervillain and the hero are fighting over a boy. Oh my um, gosh, this movie totally <laughs> fails the Bechdel test, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, the entire movie's plot fails the test, yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. But, but uh, yeah, separately from that, I I expected that that would be like one or two scenes and he would be like dealt with and off. So he'd be safe and sound somewhere and there would be like a real reason to have conflict after that. Uh, but there's not. <laughs> And he just he just uh, somehow gains intelligence um, and slightly. becomes maybe a, a more interesting character slightly. Yeah, like, but so, I I also felt like so we're in we're in the scene now where he's kind of stumbling around town and uh, Selena is uh, using the orb of destiny to um, control a front end loader, I guess. Um, <laughs> Which she's going to use, hopefully, to scoop him up and not crush him like a bug um, and bring him back to her. Um, She keeps chanting, bring him back to me. Um, And I feel like this scene takes... The the note that I have is, it was time for Supergirl to be super 20 minutes ago. Like... (laughs) She's just kind of standing outside of the diner watching everything happen. Her friend, uh, Miss Lane, goes off to uh, try to control, you know, she assumes it's a like a runaway vehicle. So she goes off to try to get it under control. And yes, that's it, the only moment that like makes up. Well, it doesn't make up for anything else in the film, but that's the only moment where it's like <laughs> all those dude bros are just like, whoa, and she's yeah. the one who jumps in the machine to take control. <laughs> right. It was like, oh, here's our feminist hero. <laughs> Yay. And then she falls asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she gets conked. I, I guess. It yeah, goes. she gets bumped in the head, but it all happens so fast. She gets bumped in the head almost immediately. And right. She's yeah. unconscious for the rest of the scene. Right. Right. And I assume the rest of the movie at that point was going to be her legal trouble because they assume that she's the one who drove it into everything. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be the more exciting movie at that point. But yep, that's when it switched to a legal procedure and she was headed <laughs> to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> um, Law and Order Special Phantom Zone Unit. <laughs> Phantom Zone Unit. <laughs> <laughs> Law and Order PZ. Uh, PCU, there you go. Uh, yeah, like that scene, like for me, like most of the action scenes just fall really flat mm-hmm, in this film, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah they um, do. It's so much setup and 
And even like when I was reading or watching one of the little documentaries, it took them like 22 days to get the shots for this one scene. <laughs> well, and like this, this runaway tractor thing is has caused all this havoc because you see later that like there's power lines down, there's gas spilling on the floor, there's some stuff that's on fire over there, and like all these people are running around like they just chickens keep with their heads piling stuff. on and piling on. Yeah. Dude, bro, with the, you know, love potion sickness or roofies or whatever it ended up being is like stumbling in the street. Everyone's yelling at you, dude, get out of the street. But apparently when you have been roofied or have taken a love potion, you are like completely conscious except for your eyes don't work until they're supposed to work because the plot tells you they're supposed to work. (laughs) Right. So you don't know where you are, you don't know what you're doing, and you don't know how to you're evade not making slow-moving farm equipment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's my favorite phrase I haven't uttered on the show in a while, because plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's, and I, I was, as you said, so many things were happening in the scene. I was really kind of bothered by the fact, like, uh, it was like a hay truck gets knocked over by the truck, by the shovel thing. And, like, hay goes everywhere, but the fire caught fire on the tires first. And I was like, wait, what? I saw that. I'm like, finally a good metaphor for what this movie is. Well, but the hay was useful later for when um, she was using her super breath or I don't know. I don't remember what it was that, you know, it was flying in everyone's hair all very dramatically. Mm -hmm. I think that was the only use for the hay. (laughs) Right. Yep. Long story long. She saves him by ripping the shovel portion off of the truck and flying him somewhere changes back to Linda Lee. And so when he opens his eyes, he's immediately in love with her and kisses her. And Selena has witnessed all of this because another one of her new orb powers is she can see things in mirrors um, or see things that she wants to see. So and when like- he wakes up, I feel like, well, he, he has this, you know, incredible poetry, whereas before <laughs> the potion, he was dumber than a doorknob. And after the potion, he like can't shut up about how much, you know, he goes into these soliloquies of how much he loves her. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, who are you? He he turns into like this Shakespearean character actor. Like, (laughs) wow, dude. Right. Well, yeah, because obviously, again, this is a very feminine film and women love poetry. Mm hmm. Oh goodness! Um, <laughs> she she goes home to her dorm. Uh, Dunaway sends an invisible demon to kill her because Ethan loves her and not uh, Dunaway, and she doesn't know that she's Supergirl. She hasn't made that connection yet. Um, and uh, I feel I, like it would have been easier to just let the spider out of the nut now and yes. start over tomorrow. Oh my gosh. So true. That was my thing with the spider and the nut thing. I was like, why aren't we just doing that? <laughs> like later when Nigel does it, she's like, don't do that. Oh, <laughs> you really did not think this through, did you? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she she vanquishes the demon from the Forbidden Planet, the electrical uh, invisible thing with electricity. Magic is negated with electricity for some reason. Uh Again, this actually black scene. magic fart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It did appear behind them and blow the wall out. You're right. Um, 
Yeah. Again, this action scene didn't do anything for me. I was like, Paul, like, when is it over? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know. I I don't really understand why the telephone pole would somehow, like, capture and maintain the electricity unless, uh, like, the science department at the school was doing, like, super capacitor experiments on it or something. I couldn't couldn't figure out why that worked. I love to understand electricity in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) It was still magic to them. Yeah, Edison hadn't bothered to explain it to anybody. (laughs) Guys, I put these like two silver rods in my Walkman and I can listen to music. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah, and when she goes back to her room, she's in uh, her super costume still and like the drunk, like, uh, what do we call those dorm moms? Uh, She's like... She's like, what are you doing in this crazy costume? Yeah. And I was like, look at us. We're doing comedy now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then she uh, she heads back to her dorm to uh, to get a little bit of kissing practice in with her mirror. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. As you do. Yeah. 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 Totally makes sense. She's a girl. <laughs> yeah. If it was like Superboy, he'd be kissing a pillow. Duh. Um, uh, but her her bracelet interrupts her starts beeping so she goes off and finds the amusement park ethan sneaks up on her with flowers and chocolate because romance um does more poetry and then dunaway comes outside as they're in the tilt-a-whirl and tries to spin them to death yep um yeah and uh, then Supergirl is not in the tilt world of doom, and so she uses her power to throw Ethan into the bumper cars, which are surely going to bump him to death. Um, I was just like, <laughs> he right. just was, gets thrown around like a ragdoll. It's yeah, true. I was praying true. they would bump him to death. <laughs> <laughs> More product. I wasn't really sure of- that Selena really knew how bumper cars worked at that <laughs> yeah. point. Like. They're not really going fast enough to do any real damage here, you know? That's but. what I was like, Wonder or Wonder Woman. Whoops. Supergirls. <laughs> She's all like, hey, uh, I got to go save Ethan, but I also got to take care of you. And I'm like, no, really, it's bumper cars. He's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, this, this movie really isn't shaping up to be uh, anything uh, even remotely close to Doctor Strange. <laughs> lots of lots of magic but it's just not good mm. i think we're, we're actually at the point in my notes where it's my final note and like i said there's still an hour left in the movie at this point <laughs> um and my final note is good god this is boring <laughs> no way this is my favorite part where dunaway pretends she's bruce lee uh, they like slow her down so that you see each frame of her added to the next. Yeah. Here's yeah. like multiple Dunaways. Yeah. When I was four, this scene was terrifying. <laughs> that would, yeah, that would terrify Sure. Me. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> looking back, it was really stupid. Well, <laughs> yeah. This again would be a great part if she would have started saying wire hangers, I would have crapped my pants. Exactly. <laughs> Supergirl would start crying, like, wire hangers. Um, yes. Uh, so watch Mommy Dearest instead of this movie. Um, 
<laughs> so while she's being multiple phase, it's kind of easy peasy for Supergirl and the rest of us to see which one is the real one. So she throws a bunch of metal bars or tent poles, maybe because it's a circus thing or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Around the real Dunaway and then flies to Ethan and pulls his bumper car out of the place and flies him to safety. This is the scene where I said she was totally creeper soups because she's like <laughs> flying, knocked out Ethan in the car. Yes. And yes. Rubs her head on his arm. Yeah. <laughs> Not cool. Is there a sunset in this one as well? There's many sunsets in this yeah. film. Yeah. yeah. There's a few. Yeah. yeah. At some point, you're like, Argo City is done. Because <laughs> right. Argo City is already gone. <laughs> yeah. Time is different. In, yeah. Time is probably different in Dennis Quaid, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we know that to be true. I mean, come on, right? It's true. Right. He's ageless. Uh, yeah. Also, I think all all put together, the flying scenes in this movie are actually longer than Star Trek: The Motion Picture, which is amazing because <laughs> that movie is very long. Well put. Um. When they land, uh, when she lands him on the beach, a coconut comes flying out of nowhere and bonks him on the head. <laughs> I, I think they've landed on Gilligan's Island. Uh, <laughs> then they cut to the sidekick who's like, oh, that was a nice shot. And then Dunaway like, and her kind of argue, okay, I guess we need an idol's help. So Supergirl kisses Ethan and uh, then he disappears. <laughs> <laughs> Because Nigel has uh, used the magical Burundi wand, the most evil wand ever on Earth, to summon Ethan to Dunaway because she asked him to do it. Which, this wand is made of roadkill, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's all kinds of dangling, fleshy yeah. things. Were they aware that there was an entire African country that they were offending here by naming, like, the roadkill death wand after them? I hope so. <laughs> or maybe I hope that they didn't. Yeah. Too. Right. It's like smoking, too. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe the wand didn't choose Nigel. The wand runs on diesel, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's nice. That just makes me think, like, I always wanted to have, like, a, a an external hard drive that ran on diesel. <laughs> just to be in the computer lab in the university with my hard drive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to use it in Canada unless you had some good glow plugs though. Yeah, it's true. True. Uh well, Dunaway, she nabs this awesome wand and then zaps Nigel to look like a, an old man in stage makeup. Um <laughs> 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 and tear up his clothes. And then later he's like young Nigel again. Well, young for Peter Cook. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, I wanted she, the old one to say, Mowage. Perfect, because she builds a castle on a mountain. Um, oh. Yep. And Soup's, uh, Soup's G, Supergirl, she, she goes there to have it out. But it's a trap. Um, she's imprinted, imprisoned and banished to the Phantom Zone, which is totally oil rich, like the tar sands. Wow. <laughs> it seriously Just is. Yeah. She's banished. There's a little scene with Selena, like taunting Supergirl by like kissing on 
gardener guy a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So she, She's she making out with Elvis for a bit. That before being banished to the Phantom Zone. That's right, which I was like, that was kind of annoying because it's like, <laughs> you are imprisoned. She's about to send you to the Phantom Zone and all you can do is shout, no, Ethan, don't do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'll never see you again, but save yourself for me. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of hurt me a little bit. Ethan, the promise ring. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe that's what that bracelet was. Ah. Promise bracelet to Argo City. <laughs> it glows when Ethan's going to cheat. <laughs> yikes this is an app waiting to happen like a smartphone (laughs) app that knows like you're next to like your husband or wife is next to someone of the opposite sex is there a cougar who is strangely embroiled in conflict with you over a boy (laughs) (laughs) now you'll know when things go to hell (laughs) now there's an app for that (laughs) yeah oh so yeah, Dunaway, she now owns the city um, while Supergirl is powerless in the Phantom Zone. Uh, Lucy Lane and some others are protesting her, so they are completely arrested. I loved it because they like had little protest signs. <laughs> <laughs> she was driving around, like she was being paraded around with cops, like, but they were all dressed like they were in THX eleven thirty eight, and then like. Lucy, like someone speaks out against Selena and then Lucy says something like, you took my friend. Where's my friend at? Because she's not concerned that the phones don't work or that no one can leave the town. She's just worried about uh, Linda Lee. Right, right. Even though Linda Lee uh, left her to rot in a tractor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> apparently in this film, nobody likes a feminist. Yeah. When she ripped the shovel off, the thing was still out of control. I was like, so you're going to set him down and then go say, what? So you, what? Wait, what? Like, <laughs> nope. Nope. Just going to save the man candy. Sorry. Uh, but Jimmy, Jimmy, like when she's like, when she smarts off or something, says something to Selena, Jimmy's like, uh, Lucy, like now is not the time to assert your like expression or to yeah. express your anger or something. Right. Right. So it's not the time for hashtag Occupy Midvale. <laughs> uh, and uh, and Kara, she's stuck in the tar sands, but she's rescued by a Morlock creature from the time machine. Um, <laughs> just kidding! It's Peter O'Toole in his dirty Cosby sweater. Uh, <laughs> That, that sweater really was hideous. Mm-hmm. It, it was bad. Yeah. Yes. Argo <laughs> City was a terrible place for fashion. Have a spritz. I, it was like it was like Krypton. Everyone wore glowing clothes like Tron. I could totally get down with that, even if I am a little concerned about my weight. But yeah. <laughs> not uh, not the fashions of Argo City. I guess you make what we'll do with what you can inside of Dennis Quaid. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is the Phantom Zone inside of Dennis Quaid too? I've <laughs> lost track of how many things are inside of Dennis Quaid at this point. I, I assume the... If I had uh, a nickel for every time I heard that. <laughs> I assume the vibrating wand is there somewhere. Oh, so does Dennis Quaid. 
<laughs> oh boy. That's what this movie needs is Martin Short. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, Peter O'Toole, because he's been in the Phantom Zone for like two days, is cuckoo bananas. Uh, yeah, he's like, I've been here forever. And so she's like, we have to escape, and he's like, try the squirt; it's delicious. Um, yeah, it's like a squirting water bottle. I don't know. He's like just nuts. And she finally says, "You got to help us, help me escape." And he's like, "There's no way to escape. It's the Phantom Zone. Duh. Only like every villain we've ever met in the Superman comics has escaped from here." Um, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and so uh, she talks him into it, and uh, then uh, meanwhile. Uh, Jimmy Olsen and Lucy and Nigel are in cages uh, on the ceiling of the castle. Um, Selena's sidekick says, I would have put a ceiling fan there, but whatever. Um, and Olsen professes his love for Lucy. Isn't that cute? As uh, you do when you're stuck in a cage. Aww. Yeah. Again, it was like really awful, like um, man writing. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was like, uh, every time you came to visit your sister, like I kind of was like, whoa, I want to hit that. Um, just kidding. He's not like that creepy. But he's just like, I really liked you. And she's like, every time like I did this to try it. Oh, I, I smudged your lenses so that I would get your attention. And he's like, you mean we could have? Why didn't you ever like tell me? And she's like, because you're supposed to guess. And I was like... <laughs> Oh no, a man wrote this. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one time she's not a feminist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the one time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <clears throat> so Kara escapes, but unfortunately, Peter O'Toole is eaten by the maelstrom because Dunaway attached attacked them with fireballs and then an angry tornado or something. Um, <laughs> Luckily, all this information she needed was in books because reading is fundamental, kids. Um, right. All this information about how to control things in the Phantom Zone is at your local library. Um, <laughs> it makes total sense. It does to me. I mean, you know, no one can trust what people write on Wikipedia. Anybody can edit that. <laughs> Turns uh, out there's a uh, there's a library at the Fortress of Solitude, and uh, you can just check out whatever you want. It's got Kryptonian history, Phantom Zone information, six-dimensional mathematics. <laughs> wow, that's like another webcomic waiting to happen is the library, the library at the, the Fortress, Fortress of, of Solitude. Solitude. <laughs> You'll wake Superman and he can hear everything. Uh, (laughs) So Supergirl, she busts out of Dunaway's own mirror. Bam. Uh, You know, because she had the the mirror tuned to the Phantom Zone to see Supergirl. That Mm -hmm. was her mistake, obviously. Um, So she frees her friends and Nigel and says, you guys go hide in that alcove where you'll be perfectly safe. (laughs) Um, And then... Ethan, I think he tries to help her by grabbing the orb or closing the lid or something while Selena's trying to attack her and he gets zapped. And then this shadowy dragon thing is summoned. Uh, I think it's the vision that we saw in the cigarette case. It's her unbridled ambition. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, uh, and then we get to see the unbridled ambition of the film's director. 
<laughs> the stretching zine. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes. The mm-hmm. Supergirl is somehow grabbed by the thing. I don't even know if we see that. Do we see that? It's Well, I mean, Selena makes all these like gestures which it's you're supposed to think that like she's controlling the monster and this is like an avatar of her or something and so she's doing all these gesticulations and grabs supergirl out of thin air right and then she gets like stretched and she's like ouch i can't do this this sucks dude um This was the part I was thinking of when you guys were talking about how like weird the flying scenes were. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but the stretching scene, man. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I was like, I never want to see this ever again. And then I had to watch it again to make a screen cap for like Twitter. <laughs> um, it's it's painfully bad. Like, yeah, well, they didn't paint. That's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> It saved some money off the post-production budget by just using whatever version of Mac Payne was around back then. Yeah, yeah, kid picks. Yeah. Yep, she's like, I can't do this. I'm totally done for. And then she hears Yoda's, I mean, Peter O'Toole's voice. <laughs> and he's like, you do this, you do must. <laughs> you are do not. There is no try. <laughs> Peter O'Toole is like, you you have to get out of here or be stuck in the Phantom Zone with me forever. <laughs> <laughs> Some other witty line. Like, you have to free yourself. It's the plot of the film. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's no hesitation. Like, she goes from, I can't to, okay, do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think somewhere in the background of the sound effects, you can hear, like, doing. She yeah. just kind of bounces out of his hands. I think the subtext of the Peter O'Toole part was you have to do this or else the movie will really never end. The audience (laughs) will really be captive forever. And then she's like, oh, okay, well, I see your point. (laughs) Right. I'm never going to get paid if I don't let this movie end. (laughs) You have a problem when the never ending story is actually shorter than your movie. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, she frees herself and does super tornado business uh and sort of sucks she spins around dunaway which nigel he's like you have to confront her with her own power or something with like mm-hmm. i thought he meant the omega hedron but she never touched it right. uh <laughs> she just spins around here making a tornado vortexy thing and then it zooms around to grab her sidekick bianca and then flies them into the mirror uh i.e the phantom zone um, and then uh, she comes flying out as a tornado, and then all the pieces of the mirror go back together and become a mirror again. There were some really good, like, blood-curdling screams during that. Um, I guess because yeah. she's yeah. she because she's uh, Supergirl spins around in her tornado thing, and then lifts up Selena so that she can confront her <laughs> unbridled ambition. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And she just can't take it, apparently, and just lets out these screams. And um, uh, that was probably my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) Again, it it was kind of lengthy, like all the other scenes in this movie. And maybe it is because it's from a different time. We are used to much punchier movies. But 
But uh, yeah, I was like, holy crap, like Faye Dunaway probably lost her voice that day. She was yeah. talking like, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen afterwards. <laughs> I, I felt like her sidekick didn't really deserve to be also thrown in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Because she seemed like she was pretty consistently like trying to be the voice of reason throughout the yeah. entire thing. Like, you could just find another, there's like a million hunky gardeners. We could just find a different hunky gardener. It's you don't have to go after this girl. It's not that big she a was, deal. She's the voice of the viewer. Yeah, right. That's, right. that's why she had to die. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we think of you, viewer. <laughs> <laughs> My mom said she's listening. That's nice. Oh. I already knew that. Aw. <laughs> Hi, mom. Uh, Nice. Um, you should watch Supergirl. It's a great use of your time. <laughs> she apologizes for not being in the chat room. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So then the whole, like, it was, that's pretty much it. Because she then, like, she says goodbye to everyone, grabs the megahedron, and goes back to inner space by flying yeah. into the lake. The yeah. End. They, they have a little kissing moment. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do do that. It's Lucy and and oh, uh, what's his bucket? Olson, Jimmy. Olson, yes, Jimmy. And then Gardner Man like puts his fingers on Supergirl's lips. They don't actually kiss, but it's a really weird scene. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's like, I know you're really Linda Lee, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and Supergirl's like, damn, I might as well be back in the Phantom Zone because I just got friend zoned. <laughs> totally. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she flies back into the lake that leads somehow to Dennis Quaid, and uh, then the lights of Argo City come back on, and then the credits start flying at your face. You better duck, damn it! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Here's some more chrome. <laughs> it was crazy. I was yeah. like. So are they just doing this for the beginning credits? But it was like all the credits. Like they just started rolling out like a Star Wars movie. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. This is to yeah. wake you up so that you can leave the theater. True. <laughs> well put. Yes. Oh, Nigel got a little bonbon at the end. He he got mm-hmm. a little prize for, I guess, being there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for like saying one line during this conflict and making it a little bit easier and not being totally annoying like you were for the entire movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Consolation prize. Even though you were clearly the more evil character than the sidekick, we're not going to put you in the phantom zone. <laughs> yes, he was really pulling the strings all along, huh? Like that's part 2. Where's mm-hmm. Supergirl 2? The entire thing was just bean magic. Bean magic, yes. Or that little bone that's in a toad. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, Jacob. Uh, we're, I'm I'm really curious as you are so uh, you're so enjoyed this film. Is it so bad that it's good, or is it just bad? Oh, goodness. Well, it's it's difficult to overlook the longness of it. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, granted, I also made the mistake of trying to watch it and like it was ending at about one thirty in the morning. So I was like really at both hands tied behind my back. But <laughs> no, it, it, it is so bad that it's good. I am prepared to say that. If anything, just for special effects, the mm, I wouldn't say double entendre because that wouldn't make sense. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All of the things, I feel like we all mentioned so many things that were like, okay, this could have been a feminist superhero movie, but it really, really, really wasn't, and here's why. You just make a list of those, and you'll go crazy. Yeah. 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 It was very entertaining for all of those reasons, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think the entertainment value that I got out of it was watching myself cringe. At- exactly. <laughs> How, because I'm telling you, I loved this movie when I was a kid. I watched it so many times and like, and it's weird that I remembered everything that happened, but when you see it in, in a new light, I guess it's like you're, you realize how awful all these lines are and how terrible the just the, the the fact that they have to emphasize so much that, look, she's a girl and she does girly things, but at the same time, she doesn't really understand girly things. <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes her even more of a girl because she's like all of you other girls who are not living up to the girl stereotype. <laughs> so she's two times a girl. <laughs> But yeah, I was just it, it. It was funny for me to to kind of cringe at this movie because, mm-hmm. like I said, I I used to love it. I can't say that I don't love it anymore. It, it will always have a place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always be able to remember loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm with you. Like it, I'm in the same zone there. Uh, because it's, it's similar to, uh, to Wonder Woman, which I watched religiously as a child because Linda Carter, whoa, I'm a boy. Um, (laughs) um, but then I, like my wife is a big Wonder Woman fan. And so I bought her the DVDs and we started watching them every now and then. And like those shows, they're like. They're so much shorter, Jacob. You might enjoy them, but they feel much longer than this movie um, because their plots are just so thrown together because of the 38 minutes that they have to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got time to fill. And and yet every time I watch an episode, I want to watch the next one because it is so bad that it's good. Like, wait, what? Like, it's just crazy. <laughs> And like this movie with the unexplainable, like, oh, I can just, you know, change into Linda Lee whenever I want with a different hair color. You know, Wonder Woman has some fantastic powers, like the spinning to change her outfit is never really explained. But also the fact that, like, in the later ones, like, they're totally awesome and trying to appeal to kids. So she, like, spins and changes into, like, a swimming outfit and a skateboarding outfit. And (laughs) (laughs) just gets so bizarre. But uh, this is probably why I accidentally called Supergirl Wonder Woman at some point during this podcast. But <laughs> yes, I I think it is so just terribly awful because of all those things you mentioned that it's 
actually entertaining. But where did you sit, Paul? This is probably your first time seeing it. Yeah, this was my first time seeing it. And uh, I I mean, I did have a lot of fun watching it. I don't know if I would. Yeah, I guess I could say it's so bad it's good. I could I can fall on that side of the uh, fence. I'm, I was kind of on the fence of it going going into this, but uh, uh, you all reminded me how much fun I had watching it. So, <laughs> so I'll sit on that side of it. I was I was more tempted to say it's uh, so mediocre, it's mediocre. Um, <laughs> but 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 then you remembered Nigel's leather leisure suit, as he called yes. it, and I was like, that's terrible. This is good. yeah for sure um we are this is our last show of the season so maybe we should try to give anybody who's listing some recommendations to watch something that uh they might enjoy or you can just recommend supergirl anybody have some recommendations for our listeners i'm just whipping this out at you guys i didn't prepare it sorry but Uh Makes sense to try to do. Have you seen anything good lately? Um, I have a recommendation. Uh, and this actually might be a candidate. I don't think you guys have done this movie before. And this might be a candidate for a future Film Frown episode. But uh, David Bowie's passing was in my mind, as it has mm. been with a lot of people. And mm-hmm. Labyrinth is such an excellent film. Extremely underrated it is so bad that it's good in a lot of parts um if you have not seen labyrinth please go see labyrinth you will not be sorry that you did nice yeah that's a good I, recommendation i haven't seen that in for ages mm-hmm. for it's ages. crystal it will show you your dreams <laughs> um i would have to say my recommendation um that i saw actually pretty recently um it's weird because you hear about this movie. Uh, I would recommend Barbarella. Uh, you hear about this movie uh, in th- there's like all kinds of pop culture references and I had never seen it before. So I didn't really know what it was about. Um, and so. And you still don't. And exactly. <laughs> I'm in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> But uh yeah it's it's so bad it's good. <laughs> right well, we're on. getting we're getting more candidates to watch for film from later on. Yeah. <laughs> I I I would concur with that recommendation actually Barbarella. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, it's 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 bizarre in that it's like she's she's a sex fiend but is she? Yes. <laughs> she seems to solve right. everything with sex. Uh, and she's naked at every opportunity, um, and it's just really, really bizarre. They they actually wanted Jane Fonda to play Faye Dunaway's part in this movie. <laughs> really? <laughs> actually, their first choice, according to something I read, maybe it was on IMDb, so I don't know how much I can trust it, was Dolly Parton. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I believe Dolly Parton bowed out because she's like, oh, I can't play a witch. Barl, <laughs> <laughs> I can't play a witch. <clears throat> right on. Well, at least they didn't move on to Reba McIntyre. <laughs> In retrospect, you know, I think at the beginning of this, we talked about 
did this movie really use Faye Dunaway to her potential? And of course it didn't. But can we really picture anyone else playing that role after having seen it? I'm not sure. See, everybody I think of is too young for the role if it's 1984. But I think I thought like I was trying to come up with that in my head. And one of the people I came up with, which, again, I read so that could have been influential but instead of Helen Slater they were actually thinking of trying to get Melanie Griffith to play Supergirl because in 84 Uh she would have been younger but I was thinking like she would bring the right kind of goofy to some of those lines that Faye Dunaway delivered like I'm gonna rule the world but I'm kind of silly as well like Mm That's uh, I don't know that I but you're right. It was really hard after watching Faye Dunaway do it to think of like mm-hmm. anyone else in that part. Yeah. Um, she has this amazing red hair and those costumes and just yeah. yeah. No, Selena if, can't be anybody else. Yeah, maybe Tilda Swinton. If you could teleport today, Tilda Swinton back to 1984. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. Mm. Um. Yeah, speaking of uh, Labyrinth, uh, just with um, Muppety-like characters, uh, <laughs> I was <laughs> also just going through like some of the live tweets I wrote uh, when I watched this film, and I forgot that Faye Dunaway like told someone like Nigel or someone when she was in the heat of her power that she was the siren of Endor, and I was like, "Wait, what? You're like an Ewok <laughs> god?" Yeah. So, so confused. <laughs> She just got back from seeing Star Wars and she was making up titles. <laughs> it's true. She wasn't very good at the rhyming uh, when it came mm-hmm. to doing spells. So mm-hmm. that's very true. Uh, I was going to recommend something that I've already recommended, but uh, just seeing some of the making of stuff behind this film and the Superman films uh, reminded me of the documentary that I saw a while ago. And I almost want to watch it again now about the crazy family behind the canon movie group. Uh, the documentary is called Electric Boogaloo, and it is hilariously crazy. Like, just these this family with money who wants to make awesome movies, and let's just, they just want to make awesome movies, like, with explosions and stuff. They're behind, like, every <laughs> Chuck Norris movie, every, like, all the American Ninja films. Like, it's it's a really good documentary, and they... They didn't approve of, or they didn't, they used like stock interview footage of those guys, but they never got actual interviews, I don't think, of the actual guys behind the company. Um, and like, I think they had a statement in the film that said they wouldn't let us interview them. And they immediately <laughs> responded with, we're going to make our own documentary. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a pretty interesting film just to hear some of the directors and like the actors in the film <laughs> that are just like, this is crazy. Uh, so yeah, definitely check that out. Um, wow. Late show. So, uh, Let's move on. Thank, uh, thanks a lot, Jacob and Jen. I'm really happy you were able to join this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. yeah it really was. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Do uh, either of you uh, have anything to plug, as they say, on podcasts? Not really, no. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I've got absolutely nothing going on. It is completely boring for me, except for... 
in a couple of months, I have a special application that I'm going to release for all of you music lovers out there. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. Preview. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then uh, I was actually afraid that Chen wouldn't be able to join us because uh, isn't the new season of Archer on now? Well, um, Archer isn't going to be starting until March 31st this okay. season. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have our crazy viewing parties, but uh, a little later in the year. Okay, because I was like, I went like, when I sent you the email, I said like, I did like a, you know, ETA for the next season. And then I saw it was somewhere nearby and I was like, oh no, there, she might not be available. <laughs> awesome. So March, got it. Yes. Um, cool. Where can people find you if you want to be found? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at Jennifer Montes. Um, and I guess that's about it uh, on GitHub also. I think I'm Jen Montes there. Sweet. Jacob? There you go. Superboy? Um, ArcOS.io for that. Peakwinter.net for the rest of it. And Peakwinter on Twitter. Um, if you ever have to ask me about how awesome my voice is, because I know it is. There you nice. go. Uh, and you can find me inside Dennis Quaid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you had to get it in there one more time. I did. <laughs> oh, the callback. Uh, you can find me at Sick Days on Twitter, S I K K D A Y S. And where can we find Paul? Well, of course, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Paul D. Uh, or uh, you can go to padizio.com, P-A-D-I-Z-I-O.com uh, to get links to all of the other places where I put things on the internet. That's uh, that's it for us. We're on a break. Um, that is Film Frown is on a break. Uh, Paul and I are going to still concentrate on Montreal sauce, but uh, this part of the production is lengthy, watching these movies until 1.30 in the morning with Jacob. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we're going to take a little hiatus, as we do, and start up with season four in a few months as we normally do, maybe May again. I think that's when we started last time. So uh, look for us then uh, as far as live shows, and then we'll still be releasing like this show into your earbuds uh, shortly so that's it for our show uh, please have a look at my uh, fancy blog save this dot space the last thing I ever posted was about film frown season four so please read it and tweet at me or Facebook me or you know whatever let me know what you think because there's some ideas I have for season four like maybe uh, we'll watch a good movie to break up all the bad. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, but I'll will s- it be so good it's bad? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I also am thinking uh, of watching every single, I believe there's four of them, Fantastic Four movies. And I'm like, wait, do we have oh, to watch boy. all of them? <laughs> <laughs> or do we just watch all four and then review them in one show? Yeah, I just watched so. the most recent one and I'm not sure we can watch all four. <laughs> just based on that experience. <laughs> yes. yes, it was on the flight that I was on recently, and I was like, oh, no, I, I must avert my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it was actually uh, harder to watch without volume. 
Um, <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> I knew what was happening. Nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's it for the show. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to Jacob and Jen again. And uh, hey, remember, nobody puts a megahedron in the glove compartment, okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> nobody puts a megahedron in the corner. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. That was a long show. Sorry. No, I. It was still 24 minutes shy of Supergirl.